Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And this is Megan. And um, blame AEW Double or Nothing for why this is on Tuesday. <laughs> I was watching. Yeah, he was watching that yesterday. Yeah. It ran pretty long. Well, not only that, but uh, we were having some technical issues, some weird situations with our mics and stuff with that last episode. So, yeah. And then, yeah. too, editing-wise, I mean, I was getting, like, crazy messages. Not crazy messages, like, psychic messages, but, like, crazy situations that normally don't happen um, on that gnome episode. So, yeah. Anyway, we're back doing shit again. Yep. So. Doing stuff. Something that was promised a week ago. Yes. So. That we're doing now. Yes. Yeah, because it's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Well, hauntings, anywhere we are, let's go to a place. But now we chose a Pacific place, New Orleans. Yep, New Orleans. To common folk speakers. Yeah, it's actually, for those of you that don't know, it's like one of my bucket list places to visit, like to vacation. But now um, going into more of the paranormal side of what New Orleans has to offer that is my nickels yeah um going through all of the locations that they have definitely makes me want to take a trip over there because it's interesting i mean the plenty of places where you can do some work yeah definitely um so should we should we just like dive in yes okay so the first place that I found super interesting was the Andrew Jackson Hotel. Um, and it was actually an article on Ghost City Tours, which if you guys have never checked out that website, I'll link them in our episode description and actually the actual link on our Instagram. But they have really awesome articles on locations and describing the backstories. And I tend to go to them a lot for when we do locations like this because they always have like the lowdown on each you know place, the backstory. So without further ado, this is the Andrew Jackson Hotel. Um, the Andrew Jackson Hotel is pretty much a staple in the paranormal community in new orleans like when you talk about haunted locations it's one of the places that definitely comes up um and if you look at the building it literally looks like it fits perfect in perfectly in with the whole like new orleans like look that they have um okay so the backstory on the location according to the website itself this is actually on the hotel's website the grounds has the ground of the actual hotel because the building that's there now there was other stuff prior to the building that's there now and serves as the andrew jackson hotel so before that building it was actually an orphanage and then it was a courthouse so i'm going to kind of go into the little backstories with that Okay, so apparently in New Orleans, there was a yellow fever outbreak, which had caused a lot of parents to die because it was basically you could survive it, but it was really, really slim that you did. And if you did, you wouldn't have to worry about it for the rest of your life. But it was very, very a lot of people died from it Um, at a high fatality rate. 
But so, which left a lot of kids without their parents, which then led to the need of orphanages. So the first, I guess, like building or thing that it became was a orphanage and a school for boys. So um, we talk a lot about how a lot of these boarding schools and homes for boys suffer a lot of tragedy. And this one was the, was no different. Um, It had opened in 1792 and was opened by the Spanish colonial government. On top of yellow fever, there was fires that actually burned much of New Orleans. And eventually the boarding school was one of the sites that were burned down. So on top of the whole everybody dealing with yellow fever, there was also an outbreak of like fires that consumed a lot of New Orleans at the time. Um, at the time in 1794, the boarding school was burned in the fires and unfortunately also five young boys inside after the earth orphanage, orphanage. <laughs> oh my gosh. Orphanage. After the orphanage burning was burned down, there was a courthouse that was built according to the hotel website almost immediately. And that was actually where president Dent, Andrew Jackson, who was held in contempt of court and charged with obstruction of justice. The current building was built in 1890 after the courthouse had been demolished. According to the hotel site, there is a couple of main entities that they believe haunt the grounds in the building. First being the five orphaned boys that died in the fire. Um, and they and guests that have stayed at this hotel swear that they hear laughter, footsteps, and could hear what sounds like boys running around the hotel and in the courtyard. Some guests have even reported to the hotel employees that they have been on the receiving end of harmless pranks and even had their television in the rooms turn on at night. According to the hotel, apparently the most chilling experience is when a guest stays in room 208. This tends to be or has been reported to be the most intense and haunted area of the hotel. There was a boy that haunts this room, and his name is Armand. He had suffered an unfortunate end when this had been a boarding school, and there had been speculation about his death. So basically, whether it was accidental or on purpose. Um, there was different reports, but some include him being thrown from the second story balcony there was speculation according to the hotel site that maybe that happened during the fires to try and save his life and then other claims that he may have committed suicide guests have reported everything from receiving a cold touch others have said that their sheets were yanked while sleeping or pulled around them and some even pushed out of their bed according to guests and hotel employees these entities for the most part mean no harm but they're just simply messing around with the guest mm. yes that's not even the the most intense part wait mm. wait there's more another entity that the hotel claims to be an active spirit is that of a woman there had been numerous reports of guests seeing a woman who had been known for everything from moving things in the the rooms, rearranging the furniture, and even fluffing the pillows. A lot of the people believe it to be the ghost of a former housekeeper, or some even to be the caretaker of the boys. She has been spotted in rooms as well as the lobby. Um, there has been even speculation that Andrew Jackson's ghost haunts the hotel, but 
it has a lot of people questioning about that just because like he didn't he didn't die around the area so i mean he was just held there so that's kind of like a just because it's the name doesn't mean he's haunting to go the hotel yeah okay that was weird something weird outside anyways um so according okay so according to ghost city tours um there had been guests that had stayed in room 208 that had been asked to switch rooms people that have chosen to stay in the room have heard everything from voices phantom footsteps and they have even seen a man in colonial clothing um so whenever we talk about these locations one thing that i like to do is try and find paranormal investigators that have gone to these places and investigated and that can validate any of these like backstories or anything like that um so ghost city tours they're actually paranormal investigators as well they blog about like locations and you know their experiences and stuff like that but they've actually been to this location um and this is actually what made me even want to include it in the episode so from there they actually have a whole article that details their experience like who they who they were able to come in contact with what they got on evps and stuff like that um, but I just want to read this small snippet because this is what made me truly like want to want to cover. Anyways, it was July 7th and July 8th in 2017 that they investigated. In the article, they specified they used everything from MEL meters to K2 meters, spirit boxes, voice recorders. Um, even though I want you guys to go actually listen to like go not listen go read their encounters i'm going to tell you a small snippet that is kind of like weird anyways so they were basically they got they wanted to stay in room 208 they got the key cards and they went up to the room they were doing the key cards and they were not working so they got an employee the employee came they tried they were able to get through after multiple cha- multiple attempts of trying to get into the room. Um, so one of the investigators, Michael Bill, said a prayer before entering the room, like basically asking, can I come in the room, whatever, whatever. And he has a cross that he keeps around his neck. Um, so he said a prayer and took the wooden cross from his neck and placed it on the door, you know, ask access, cleanse, I guess, while he's walking through. Um, the cross actually broke in half and there's an actual picture where you could see the cross like legit just broke in half. Um, they talk more in the article about the history, about, you know, like what they found. Apparently they commuted, communicated, communicated with someone named Sarah, a little boy named Thomas. And then they also shared their overall theories and ideas behind the hauntings and the grounds and all of that. So definitely check them out. But. But yeah, that's at Andrew Jackson Hotel. Seems like I need to go to that room. Yeah. So definitely if I were to stay in the Andrew Jackson Hotel, I would probably go for room 208. Like, are you sure? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are very sure. Because I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> like, because they say, because that's the thing is they basically are saying like the the boys that are stuck there and even the little, the, the boy that com- either committed suicide or got pushed out during the fires or... You know, who knows if it was an accidental throw out. Maybe he was killed prior and it was more of a killing or murder than nobody knows. Um, so everyone says it's just like 
the the activity that goes on is just like harmless it's just kind of like they're just trying to get attention you know but why the cross broken half like that that's not that's not normal is something keeping them there are they staying there because they feel like they have nowhere else to go do they fear going into the light do they it's kind of interesting and then the fact that they've been there for so long too yeah and we, I would say what we come to find out, but what we have from our own experience is that there always seems to be trap spirits. There always something. It's because they is something keeping them there. Mm-hmm. Not always be the the mo, but maybe they're waiting around for us. I guarantee it has been plenty of psychics and mediums that have gone to that location and helped these spirits cross over. And maybe sometimes they can't because yeah. something's keeping them from doing so. Yeah. I mean, it's still a lot of learning things, but from our experience, it always seems to be something keeping them there. Yeah. And I mean, there is times where like a spirit is, 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 you know, like just stuck there. Like they feel like there's nowhere else that they, especially from them being in an orphanage and losing probably family members and stuff like that to either yellow fever or, and then dying in a fire that, I mean, that's not a pleasant way to go. No. You know what I mean? So just being like confused and stuck there and maybe even thinking that, you know, this is this is not so bad being stuck here. So it's just kind of interesting that the cross broken out. I mean, they put the picture on the article. So, yeah. So I just find that interesting. But the next. OK, so when you think of New Orleans, what do you kind of think about? Like you think phantom or like phantom. I don't know why that popped in my head. Um, you think of like the paranormal, you think of mystics, but one thing that you, you know, like voodoo and, and psychic stuff and all of that. But one thing that also gets mentioned is vampires. And there is a legend or a lore that I read about called the casket girls. And it kind of surrounds idea. Whoa, like what's going on with them? If I think of vampires in the world, I think of them talking like a day. It's like a Southern gentleman from well, the I area. I forgot. Let me introduce you to the shadows there, darling. You know, oh something my like gosh. that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> with the dandelion in their jacket pocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Vampire Diaries had a, a they were from New Orleans at some point and mm. then the originals was in New Orleans too. So um yeah. Okay, so the Casket Girls. So the Casket Girls is a legend and lore that is very prominent in New Orleans and dates back a long time ago. So between the time periods of 1718 and 1728, um, there was like some debate about the actual timeline of this, but um, that's kind of where articles kind of stayed in when they were, you know, talking about like the story casket so, girls casket girls that's and there's like a, a reason i know but it sounds like a psychobilly band yeah it does i <laughs> thought the same thing when i read it okay so there was a situation that occurred in where the king of france was basically sending over women and girls to marry over here okay so the governor of louisiana at the time basically wanted the french king to send over women and girls Yes, some of them were unfortunately girls, like they were young, um, to basically marry the colonists that were over in Louisiana. But in so the so the governor of Louisiana wanted them to be like have prominent backgrounds, like. But instead, the king basically sent over 
uh, girls and women from poor houses, orphanages, and they some of them were even convicted criminals. Um, so while the girls waited to be married when they came over here, they were under the care of the nuns at the Ursuline convent. The girls came over with small trunks, and that is basically with all their belongings, and that is why they were named the Casket Girls. The nuns took the casket-shaped chests that they had come over with and put them on the third floor of the convent. The windows and doors to the third floor had always been sealed shut, and that's where they stayed. So basically, the nuns pretty much like threw all the girls' belongings and locked and sealed the doors because their excuse was they weren't sure what the girls were bringing with them. So they weren't allowed to basically have their stuff. Mm. Um but later on, the nuns returned to the third floor to find that all of the caskets had been emptied. They then turned the room upside down looking for all the belongings. Um, according to the Ghost City Tours article, the doors were bolted shut and the nails to the windows were blessed by the Pope himself and locked in place. After this, for whatever reason, some I guess something occurred or something that wasn't really mentioned in these articles, sparked speculation about vampires. But that's not even the creepy part. So the creepy part actually happened in 1978. So according to the Ghost City Tours article, there were two paranormal investigators that went to the area seeking answers to find out if the legend was true and that if the casket girls were in fact vampires. And this occurred in 1978. So both investigators decided to camp out directly in front of the old Ursuline convent, Prior to this, they had been kicked off the property because they were considered loitering. So their next best thing they thought they could do was to camp outside in front of the building to see if they could experience anything. They ended up having difficulty staying awake and something their cameras managed to capture, but they didn't actually see, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You'll find out at the end that... can't really ask them what they saw but um the doors the shutter doors on the third floor that had been nailed shut were no longer shut so eventually the cameras that they did have went black and the next morning people found the bodies of the investigators and according to that same article it was described that they had been drained of all of their blood and looked as if animals had clawed at them so are there really vampires in new orleans uh, I mean, it's good. It's most likely, so I'll say, not impossible. But we did an episode on vampires where I always theorized that the legend, the idea of it, was based on something else. But over time, you get, of course, romanticized to like most things are. Um, it's creepy yeah. though, right? Yeah. Like, like okay. So, like, I was reading it and I was like, okay, well, I could see, I mean, that's a little, you know, whatever, you know, like, could it be vampires? Mm, kind of plays up with the whole New Orleans vibe, you know? But when I heard that the two investigators that went to investigate it ended up dead, what? Mm. And that was like in 1978. So, I don't know, you want to camp outside the old Ursuline convent, see what happens? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, like, you can pull negative entities, but, like, what about a vampire? Like, that wouldn't be able to be pulled because it's a physical being. Uh, that's that's a question I always thought to myself. Like, physical beings that are, that are of darkness, can I feel their energy? Like, same goes for, like, skinwalkers and windigos. Mm. Or maybe skinwalkers and windigos are spirits that are just so physically seen. They have one imagery. Dang. I don't know. Okay, so... 
Okay, so the next one is one that is anytime you look up articles about, you know, like the most haunted places in New Orleans, you know, you'll have different different places on different articles. But one place that remains the same is the LaLaurie Mansion. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but that's how I feel like it's it's pronounced. The LaLaurie Mansion. LaLaurie. What? LaLaurie. No, LaLaurie. I know. This is so okay. close. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So the LaLaurie Mansion was home to Delphine LaLaurie. The story behind Delphine LaLaurie is incredibly dark and, of course, rooted in cruelty and just pure evil. Madame Delphine LaLaurie was a New Orleans socialite and apparent serial killer who tortured and murdered enslaved people in her household. She was born in March of 1787 in New Orleans, and she was one of five kids. Her father brought the family to New Orleans from Ireland in 1730 during the French colonial period. Her mother was known as the widow, widow La Comante, because there was her, because that was her second marriage. Both of Delphine's parents were well known in the European Creole community in New Orleans at the time. Delphine grew up with her family members, even being prominent members in government. Her uncle her uncle by marriage was the governor of the Spanish American provinces of New Orleans, and then her cousin was the mayor of New Orleans for a period of time. Forwarding ahead to her older to her being older where she had three total marriages. Apparently the first two marriages the husbands had weird deaths. The first marriage she was actually thirteen at the time and married a Spanish high ranking royal officer. To make a long story short, in eighteen oh four her husband was en route to appear at the court of Spain. She was pregnant at the time and he died in Havana, Cuba. A few months after his death, Delphine gave birth to the daughter, and then the daughter and Delphine returned to New Orleans. Now her second marriage. Her second marriage she married in 1808. Delphine married a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. So he was a jack-of-all-trades there. They purchased a home in New Orleans, later known as Villa Blanque. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if I'm butchering this before New Orleans or any kind of French person is probably like, wow. Anyways, she had four children, but Blanquet Blanquet Blanque died in 1816. On June 25th, 1825, she married her third husband, who was a physician, and he was much younger than herself. In 1831, they brought the property at 1140 Royal Street, which she managed in her own name and did not involve much involvement from her husband. In 1832, she had the two-story mansion built and complete with an attached slave quarters. Apparently, the manage, the manage, the marriage wasn't good, and she legally separated from the third husband in November of 1832. So, even though her previous two husbands died of weird death, it wasn't until her third husband that speculation began to arise. Reports had surfaced that she inflicted cruel things upon the slaves within the mansion as well as her own daughters. In 1834, the mansion was caught on fire and revealed a lot of what had been going on behind the scenes at the mansion. When the fire happened, of course, it called for the fire marshals and police at the time to revive, which prompted it to get out that the slaves were being tortured, starved, and beaten. Apparently, the fire had been started by a 70-year-old woman who was a slave, and she had been chained in the kitchen. And she had lit the kitchen on fire as a way to expose what was being done within the walls. Apparently, it wasn't short after that that Madame Delphine fled with her family. 
Um, so another, so again, go to Ghost City Tours and they break down, um, everything. So apparently the house was converted at one point into an apartment complex and a tenant was murdered in that apartment complex. Apparently the death was a bit unusual and actually had ties to paranormal activity. Um, in the mid 19th century, the Lollary Mansion functioned as an all girls school where students experienced bizarre and random physical assaults. And then, okay, so that functioned as an all girls school where students experienced bizarre and random physical assaults. Um, it remains a New Orleans landmark. Um, so there's a lot of ideas and theories around this location. Um, one being that, of course, a lot of the paranormal activity could be the deceased people. Um, yeah. And also, uh, Delphine LaLaurie was also played by Kathy Bates, like a loose version on American Horror Story Coven. So if you are familiar with that, I'm not, I've never watched any of the series, so I can't tell you, but that's what they mentioned in different articles. So yeah. So, and I didn't want to be like too, too into what actually was being done there, but there was an article that specified some of the, um, slaves were, had their eyes taken out. Some of them were just brutally, like, I mean, brutally treated, um, so there's other articles that you can find online that go more in detail, but I kind of wanted to keep it like not that brutal, you know, yeah. in the episode. But I mean, she didn't actually die in this location because like after, you know, because basically after everything came out about what was taking place, there was a the town people were so disgusted by it that they actually stormed. The Lollary Mansion, which made her and her family flee. But there was even some stuff that she apparently abused the daughter as well. So. Mm. So it could be, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, could Delphine Lollary be haunting it? I don't think so, but. It was her plans. It was her doings. It was her tortures. It, it was her. There because... It was her, essentially her hell that she created. So, if she was a dark spirit, and essentially after she passed, and never atoned, never atoned, mm-hmm. she would be would be a perfect place for her to feed off the negativity of the energy that's still there. And then, two, any slaves that were killed that way probably weren't may think that they can't uh, cross over, cross over, or something like that. And then that one person that apparently died. It didn't go into detail. Any of the articles I found did not go into detail, but apparently. I guess maybe who was told about the story through word of mouth or something like that. Apparently when it was the apartment complex and that person died, it was linked to paranormal activity. Mm. So that person probably is like, what the heck? There is something keeping spirits there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Creepy. Okay. Another place that is basically on a paranormal investigators bucket list not bucket list but like go-to list when they go to new orleans and is consistently mentioned and it's one of the 
the things that you see and you're like dang that looks creepy like that looks like a place i want to go if i want to make content or make contact with the other side and it's the st louis cemetery number one um so this cemetery st louis cemetery number one number one wait till you hear how many people are buried in this cemetery okay um this cemetery was established on august 14 1789 even though this is considered one of the oldest and most haunted cemeteries in New Orleans, this has actually been considered one of the most haunted in the United States. There is over 100,000 gravestones and still remains an active site, which basically means that number is going up because there are still people that are actively buried there and being actively buried there. Um, so a lot of people have recalled that even in the daytime, like, Apparently was advised even by Ghost City Tours not to go at night. Like it's creepy as anything at night. But you can even get the same weird feelings, same paranormal activity during the day. There's not like, oh, you get more at night. It's still bad at night. I mean, it's still bad during the day. So, yeah, it's one of the oldest ones. If you see it, I think they're the ones too that have the above ground tombs. Um, it it just looks like a lot of tombs just and it's like you know why though right huh flooding oh yeah flooding yeah so a lot of bodies have buried in the ground will probably float up to the earth if there's too much flooding so keep them above ground interesting that we don't do that over here i mean some like the oak oak something we don't see much flooding in wilmington they did it they have the outside like tombs um but a lot of people have described that it almost looks like a lazarus I think that's what how you say it. Like Lazarus. When you go in there, it's just like everywhere. and it's Labyrinth. Like, Labyrinth. Lazarus. I don't know. He rose from the dead. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I keep getting words in my mouth this episode. So, mm. um, But yeah. And if you look at it, it's like you could easily get like disoriented and like, whoa, where am I kind of situation. Um, there is some tales of some spirits there. Um I kind of, I don't know. It, I guess you just, there's so many people buried there that obviously you're kind of almost bound to to make some sort of contact, to feel some sort of presence there. Um, they really didn't say much of anything like evil. They just basically said there's like entities and people feel weird. It's basically the feeling there. They say They say is very, very intense, very, very eerie feeling. Just death. I mean... Well, duh, the cemetery. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the typical feelings you kind of get at a cemetery, so. Well, in all actuality, cemeteries shouldn't shouldn't be that haunted um, unless there's something keeping them there mm-hmm. at the Pacific place. Now, not saying all to meet demons and dark entities go to graveyards specifically to keep spirits and trapped and stuff like that. It's just if the opportunity lies, mm-hmm. which we've seen a couple places we've been to. Yeah. yeah, which I found this interesting. So that makes me think, could okay. So I don't know that much that much about necromancing, but a couple of the graveyards that we have been to, I know the communication that we did establish. They did talk about like we did have in the spare box have the spirits communicating about necromancing. So I mean, I guess. The, the kind of s- small concept that I have of necromancing, it would make sense to go to a cemetery to do it. 
You know? Yeah. yeah. Those of you that don't know what necromancing is, it's just basically using the other side, using spirits, good or bad, for good or bad intentions. I don't agree with it. It's not my thing. Um, but basically to use, to use, I mean, to do whatever you need them to do, whether it's to spy on people, whether it's to, I don't know, like do weird stuff. I it's don't a form of imprisoning, but also slavery at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, why we don't agree with it. Yeah. I don't, you know, just let them be, just let them be. They're already on the other side. Just let them be. But. In a situation when it comes to, well, it's a theory about why New Orleans, it seems to be a very hot spot for haunt, hauntings. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is still alive there. Yeah. Now, you have, I think, New Orleans City. Mm-hmm. <sighs> They've had a lot of disaster. But disaster, what yeah. it's known for mostly is partying. Mm-hmm. Celebration, partying, all the energy, drinking, yeah, gambling. Well, I don't know if mm-hmm. gambling is legal there or not. But I know drinking per se, partying. All that thing, right? They yeah. have parades every day. Yeah. Every single... If you want your own parade, you have it. You yeah. just pay the money and you got it. Yeah. You can block a whole damn street if you want to. Dang. You just gotta pay the money. Right? And, and too, you have you have um, a lot of people, uh, psychics that go there, a lot of like voodoo shops, a lot of all of that. So you're... So the energy is not only strong there, but it's also being used on different ways. Mm-hmm. So, the idea of the supernatural is kept very alive in that city. Yeah. So, I guarantee if we ever went there. I would be, yeah. like, I I kind of want it on my bucket list to go there within the next, like, year or so. Yeah. Because I know, and it's crazy because I know a lot of psychics that say they get, like, they're pulled to New Orleans. Like, they I wonder, go. <laughs> sorry, I just had a funny idea in my head. <laughs> I said, I wonder what would happen. Granted majority of them are charlatans but like what if we actually found a real psychic palm reader right mm-hmm. and she read my right hand oh that would be I interesting ignited i guess my hand like when i like use it for when you charge when i ready the, the charge right and i yeah. do that if it would freak her out or will she would even not even notice it i don't, I don't know. know i mean new orleans <laughs> they probably got some interesting stuff that they see go through there yeah because i feel like it's one of those places that if you're into the paranormal, even like not even into the paranormal, but just like mystic stuff or like, um, cause I think they have like a lot of really cool, I think it was New Orleans. Don't hold me to it. I think there was like a bar that I saw on TikTok that it was like a bunch of underground stuff. Plus, you know what? They have a lot of history tied to that area too. That's another thing. A lot of history that is like stained the streets in a sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a place I want to go. And then we'll probably bring you guys with us, too. So I would definitely film when I, I would be down there. I mean, yeah, we can. I always thought, like, if we could ever do, like, live podcasts from certain locations. Yeah. That like the Devil's Tramping Ground. Oh. Because <laughs> all we need is this that table would and be a couple batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. We should do that. That should be like a Halloween episode. Like, do the, like, Believe in the Bazaar did something like that. Weren't they at a haunted location? Well, they've been a couple around Ohio, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. they did, I think it was like a Halloween thing. Not to steal but, their idea. No. <laughs> def- definitely not stealing their idea, but no. giving them some props. But, um, yeah, because wasn't that the frog? 
frogman thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, could you imagine doing a Halloween episode on the Devil's Tramping Ground? In the middle of it. Oh my god, I don't think so. I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't know if I'd go that far, but definitely there. Because I've been actually talking to Isaac and the rest of the team about going to the Devil's Tramping Ground soon. So, I don't know. I keep getting called to to definitely do that. Did you hear that in the mic? I hear like a buzz, like a tapping. Is it my phone? Well, get your phone off the table for one. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Like some interference. You hear it back. I don't know. Well, <laughs> that's that's the one thing that's been kind of crazy is that I haven't really been putting protection as we've been recording. Three. Three? Tit, tit, tit. You go, when you hear it back. I know yeah, who, my phone. Who was listening to the episode right now, they, they heard it. But when you listen back, you're going to hear it. Ooh. Weird. Yeah, because I actually have like a white candle here because one of the biggest things, um, one thing that we've been getting recently on feedback, which isn't the greatest thing, but is about, you know, like our ums and yeahs and all that stuff. And then on top of that is the yawning. And I, and I promise you the yawning from me is literally like when stuff starts channeling. And so I was like, I got to do something to keep the messages from like coming in during this time. So I literally have candles and like crystals around me and stuff like that. So that, and I set my intention before the episode. And then obviously when I'm editing now, apparently I have to do that because I don't know what's going on with our editing and our mics and stuff like that. So, I mean, it could just be typical like stuff, but it's kind of ironic that it starts all of a sudden. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, we decided to save this to the end of the episode because it'd be a nice segue to talk about what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Um. So our haunted update. Strangely enough, it just happened a while ago, but I needed to get his permission before I talked about him. Um. Uh, as I've talked about previously in different episodes, um, I, well, of course about my ability, uh, but how my ability works with technology. And essentially through phones mm-hmm. or any kind of zoom. If I can visually see the room or the person I'm with and they can see the room that they're in, if something's in the room with them, I can essentially feel it and I can pull whatever it is there with them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how far I am away, mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done it a few investigations for other paranormal investigators on the other side of the world. Yeah. Um, I've done it for people that I've known in this our business, essentially. Uh, of not paranormal, but podcasting. Yeah. But um, I recently did it for my friend Cameron. And the reason I bring him up is the most, because I know he's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring him up the most is because of the situation. I know he's going to get mad at me about this, but hey, it's your own fucking fault, dude. Um, of all people I pulled from, I've never had, um, not recently anyway. I think he was mm-hmm. the first to start it. But like I said, I'm getting stronger with this. Mm-hmm. But he was the first that I smelled the person's place, their room, or whatever room they were in, in my room or whatever location I'm yeah. in. Yeah. And that opened a lot of questions. Because mm-hmm. I know my room never smelled like this. Mm-hmm. And I had no reason for it to smell like this whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. My only idea, my own conclusion was that when I pulled through the phone from mm-hmm. Cameron's place to mine. And this has to go with a little bit, I don't know how to explain it basically, but I felt like I, I tore, I, t- I, t- I put a tear in time and space 
from his place to mine. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing when you look at your phone and you're staring into it and you're looking at someone on the other side. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're looking through a screen at the same time you are. Yeah. So even though the phones are you know across the, the state, when I pull, they're basically back to back. And when I bridge that space and time, I'm folding on upon itself in order for me to do that. That tear leaves a residual pathway mm-hmm. for senses anyway. Now, I can't hear what's going on in his place, but smell seemed to be the strongest one. Mm-hmm. And I smelled his room. And I knew it wasn't in my room because I never had smelled that smell before, nor has it ever been in my room. Yeah. So that's why I knew it was his place. Yeah. And that led me an idea. Was I tearing? Was I causing a tear in time and space in the fourth dimension, you want to say? Mm-hmm. But at least through time and space from my place to his. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's sealed up over time, but every time that I pull through objects, does it do that? Yeah. Which leads us into next week's episode. Fourth and fifth dimension. Fourth and fifth dimension. Either the being's part of it or at least how yeah. well, I theorize how it works. Yeah. And I know we were supposed to do like haunted locations with a pirate like lord to it. And we'll get to that one, I promise, because I know there's a lot of people that Sorry, mateys. Yeah, that wanted that. But I didn't want to do two like haunted locations back to back. So we're gonna space that out. So maybe not this week, but the next week. Um we'll do um pirate lures and stuff like that but um two it's also with what you're doing even with what you did with cameron it's kind of um opening the idea of being able to pull remotely because you had an interesting thing happen when you were pulling um because pita from f how did how do you say it ethereal Okay. Ethereal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Sisters Paranormal. I'll link her because since we mentioned her, I'll link her stuff mm. um, so you can check her out. She's really cool. She's a paranormal investigator. Super, super awesome person. We've been on her stuff a couple times. She's been on ours um, for episodes and stuff like that. Um, but she does live investigations sometimes. And sometimes she will ask um, even some other people on our team to peer in to you know like watch in and see if we can give her anything and uh i'm i'm never awake to do them because <laughs> she's in australia so the time difference is is in- 10 o'clock night for her is 10 o'clock in the morning for us yeah, yeah. so isaac happened to be awake and he was watching and he was pulling and at the time he had pulled three things and i sat there and watched him like i i sat there and watched him and like I could, I could feel the energy like shifting from where he was pulling from the phone, going into where he puts the entities, for instance. Um, but there is a correlation to what you chatted in to what they got on the spirit box. So what was that? Tell them that. Oh, um, there's three entities that I pulled. Yeah. In a row, essentially, and I told her that's the third one now that I pulled from there, and then over the spirit box where she was, uh-huh. um. A spirit said three. Yeah. Yeah. Like, run away after another. Like, I, I typed that in. She read it. And then, boom, the spirit box said, yeah, three. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So. I thought that was... They were, like, freaking out, right? Yeah. They were like, whoa, what the heck? Yeah. So, that's interesting. So, ability-wise, um, I think both of us are testing new boundaries with both of our abilities mm. i know i've been over the last week week and a half almost two weeks have been surprising myself crazy 
with what I've kind of been getting. I've been trusting my abilities a bit more and kind of just going for it. And then we've also been kind of testing, been helping out some people around us, um, a couple people that are a little bit of a distance away to see if we can help them remotely instead of being, obviously right now we're not able to get in the car and go to these places because they're pretty far away. So yeah, no one locally needs our help. Yeah. So <laughs> at the time right now, who knows what the future holds? So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's next week's episode, fourth to fifth dimension, how we theorize how it works and what we've been told how it works. Yeah. Um, and even higher dimension levels and stuff like that. Any possible beings that you could meet along the way. Oof. But uh, that's next week. Um, but yeah, we're, we're as for Hunting Oil, does he want to be done? We're done? We're yeah. done? Yeah, we're done. Okay. Yep. We are uh, done. All right. Anyway. Um, but as always, guys, um, you can catch our social media at Hidden in the Shadows Podcast on Instagram, Hidden in the Podcast 2 on TikTok, Hidden in the Shah 6 on Twitter, or links to all our social media, and always you can listen to us at HiddenTheShadowsPodcast.com. We also have links to our merch store, which everyone who listens to this, you've been kind of slacking on trying to buy hey, shirts. We haven't we're... sold one in forever. <laughs> no, we have to. I feel like I feel like I'm going to switch where we're doing it because I feel like the the place that we're doing it from, it's like if I had to give them a grade, I'd give them a C. And we need more merch. That's something we need to get on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna look into that. We're actually we need kinda... more things people can buy other than yeah. shirts and yeah, whatever else we have on. There. We're kind of looking to maybe some different designs, like. Other than the basic, we kind of like, I kind of want, like, we've talked about this. We kind of want, like, a shirt that looks like a band shirt, but that represents us. Yeah. That makes sense. Because, you know, obviously, one of the things that we talk about is that we're huge metal fans. And so, what better way than have, like, because I know most of my adult even my adulthood and even now i wear a lot of band shirts so actually, well, yeah you're wearing have... a ballet shirt <laughs> yeah. and i wear a metallica shirt yep yeah so yeah, yeah so yeah. already in band shirts yeah. so um yeah so it'd be cool to have like a shirt that looks like a band shirt yeah so, yeah uh, but yeah that's that's all in the future stuff yeah. so look forward to those things yeah but as always guys we'll catch your widows in the next one yeah